Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. Now, uh, what I'm on tonight, it may sound uh, a little bit destructive, but uh, we'll explain that as we go along. So, uh, title of our session tonight is uh, Biblical Faith or Presumption. Now, I'm, uh, I'm sure all of us remember the story of... Uh, uh, Jesus being up in the Mount of Transfiguration. This is just on our introductory thoughts here. Uh, and Jesus coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and there was the father uh, with his son who'd been a demoniac or having uh, epileptic fits and uh, all the disciples had tried to cast the demon out of him and there was just no result. And uh, the Lord said, uh, you know, all things are possible to him that believes. Uh, how to go, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And immediately the father of the, uh, of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Does anybody ever feel that way at times? Uh, ever since the fall, because unbelief was born in us through the fall, and we all struggle between this, what I call ground of faith and ground of unbelief. So Myself, even at my age, and all of us, I know we all have this same battle. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, over the years, uh, uh, and, and what I want to share with you is probably pre- pretty revolutionary. Uh, it was for me, but uh, my greatest lessons that I've learned about this whole area of faith, and I don't have it all, but I hope what I share with you tonight is going to be helpful. So over the years, I heard a lot of uh, faith preaching, as we call from uh, faith people, and uh, if you just would uh, speak the word, you could open the Red Sea. Moses just spoke the word and opened the Red Sea. And then I um, remember hearing preaching about uh, if we just had faith enough, we could just speak to the sun and speak to the moon. And uh, just like Joshua did, sun stand still and moon stand now still. And uh, how, how many think if any of us could do that just at any time we like, uh, we'd have worlds in collision? I mean, my wife would say, sun, stand still. I want to get a suntan. And I'd say, sun, move over. Moon, you know, we'd have worlds in collision. Milky Way, we'd have milkshakes dropping from the Milky Way. Uh, it'd be absolute chaos. So, you know, there was just something. And then, and then I'd hear say, okay, you just speak the word and you can open the River Jordan. Elijah just spoke the word, open the River Jordan. And then uh, uh, Elijah stopped the rain. And then, I know you ladies would do that, stop the rain. No, rain go over him. And, and Jesus said, if you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain and uh, it'd be removed and cast in the sea. Now, you just imagine all of us doing that. You've got a mountain in your backyard. Mountain, be thou removed and be cast into Kevin Connor's backyard. And then I say, no, I've got enough dirt there now. Mountain, be thou removed and go to Mark's backyard. And rain stops hill, sun stops hill. I mean, we'd have wheels in collision, absolute chaos. So when I heard this faith preaching, you know, it's not that I didn't try some of those things. Um, uh, how, how many, you read about in the book of Acts, chapter 666, um, how many have heard, some of you get that midnight tonight anyway, uh, how many have heard about, you know, and so many preachers, you don't hear Kevin Connor say, now just step out in faith. Peter just stepped out in faith on the water, so you just got to step out in faith. How many have heard sayings like that? How many have tried it? And then I think some of the uh, 
the hardest cases, you know, I remember way back in the Voice of Healing days that I referred to in a previous session, uh, when uh, the great William Branham passed from the scene, he was uh, killed in a plane crash, uh, which was one of his fears, actually. They kept his body in front of the pulpit uh, there in, uh, I think it was Tucson, Arizona, where we saw his... Um, uh, uh, William Branham Tabernacle last year, I think it was, and kept it in front of uh, the uh, the pulpit there, believing that uh, at, a, at a traditional Easter time, believing that just as Jesus uh, rose from the dead on the third day, that William Branham would do that. Well, nothing happened. Eventually, they had to bury him. And then uh, I remember a case we had to deal with in, in New Zealand, a brother I'd been uh, ministering with, and this was all in those days of faith area. And, uh, as I said, it may be revolutionary. I hope it is. And uh, he'd been preaching. Peter just stepped out of the boat and walked on water. And if you just only believe and only believe, only believe, uh, you can just step out. And so this uh, sister, uh, she went home and she filled up the bathtub with water. And the man said, well, if Peter can walk on the water, you just got to step out in faith. So she stepped out in faith to walk on the water in a bathtub and she joined the Baptist church. She got wet <laughs> and came back very disappointed. The next meeting wondered why it didn't happen. So why didn't it happen? That's what we want to look at tonight. And then uh, when I was in Bendigo pastoring a church a number of years ago, we had a little uh, young man there. Uh, you know, we, we'd had prophecies about him and everything like that, very sick, dying of cancer. And uh, I know when I went into the house, they phoned me up and said he's very sick. So I went along and tried to do all this uh, faith stuff. And uh, the boy died in my arms. I remember just running around the house screaming, to tell you the truth. Well, where was God? Why didn't it happen? What's, you know, what are you doing up there? on your throne, you know, together. And then New Zealand was the same. We had a little boy over there and uh, went through this. He was dying of leukemia. Oh, you just touched his body and it's just riddled with cancerous lumps. And uh, so we had the parents for another minister and I, and we were right into this thing. And I remember we were praying there and praying there. And, of course, the parents were with us, and I suddenly had this flash thing. Oh, Jesus put the parents out when he raised somebody from the dead. So... Us big faith-filled people, we put the parents out, but we buried the boy. So that made me, hey, there's something, something missing in this whole area. So it drove me to the Word of God, and uh, what I'm sharing with you tonight would be my greatest lessons that I've learned concerning the whole thing on what I've called biblical faith or presumption. Now I want you to turn over to uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. So how many have heard some of these things over the years? All right, and, uh, you know, statements like this, anything Jesus did, we can do. And uh, this scripture is often misquoted, uh, but I believe misunderstood that Jesus said the works that I do, you'll do greater works. What did he mean by that? Okay, there are things we need to uh, look at. Anything that happened in the Bible, we can do. So all this area on the, on the, on the whole area of the faith teaching, so forth. Now, uh, we, are, we, we do believe in faith, don't we? <laughs> but we just need to adjust some things. All right. Let's turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1, and I'm going to have to uh, move fast. How many are glad I've got two eyes, and two ears, and two nostrils, and one mouth? I think I could get twice as much said. <laughs> All right, turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1, and this is the first scripture that I've got on your notes there. And uh, we're reading from verse 9 and 10. So Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Uh, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words 
in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, I refer to this as uh, what I call the Jeremiah principle. And I believe there's a lot of things, and I hope this just clicks with you tonight. I believe there's a lot of uh, so-called faith preaching and teaching today that is really unscriptural and anti-scriptural. And I believe a lot of it has to uh, uh, go through what I call here the Jeremiah principle. Now, Jeremiah principle here is that Jeremiah's ministry was twofold. First phase of his ministry was four destructive words pretty much there. Uh, number one, to root out. Number two, to pull down. And number three, to destroy. And number four, to throw down. That was a very devastating ministry that the Lord gave Jeremiah the prophet here. So rooting out, pulling down, destroying, throwing down. First phase of his ministry. And then the second phase of his ministry was to build and to plant. So four destructive things there. Rooting out, pulling down, destroying, throwing down. Then second phase was to build and plant. So I believe there's a lot of things that are floating around and have been, particularly in my, my generation, some of them still floating around and some of the things I referred to that I had to sort out, uh, hopefully before the Lord. And I felt the Lord gave me some answers, not all of them, but some answers. So I feel there's a lot of things that have to be rooted out, pulled down, destroyed and thrown down before we can build and plant truth on this area of what I'm talking about, biblical faith or presumption. So uh, first phase, very tough, rooting out, pulling down, destroying, wrong concepts of faith and then building and planting the truth about biblical faith. All right, so that's what we're looking at. All right, now let's go to letter B uh, and uh, under letter B I've got uh, understanding biblical faith. Now over, when I went through all this frustration and uh, so forth and uh, you know, almost uh, threw the towel in and gave up faith when some of these things uh, didn't happen, when the sun wouldn't stop still for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I heard of one brother up in Queensland, he said uh, he was doing a seminar, how to walk on water. I said, I'll send you the water. So these are some of the things I felt the Lord deal with me. So what I did, I went through the Bible and went through uh, the concordance and went through every reference to the word faith in uh, Old King James, of course. That's all that was around in those days, pretty much. But uh, went through every reference and come up with some of these very strong convictions I have on this area. So study the word. And I found that the word faith, just the exact word faith, is only used twice in the Old Testament. Uh, but the word faith is used many, many, many times in the New Testament. So I'm going to be very systematic because I really need uh, sort of a couple of sessions on this, but I want to give you an outline for you to think about because I'm talking to a very intelligent congregation once more. All right, number one, the first thing in, this, in my whole study on this, and this has helped me over the years, I'm a slow man. People say, well, Kevin's so slow. Yeah, I've been slow because this has put the brakes on me on some things. All right, number one is discovering the law of faith. First thing we need to do is discover the law of faith. Now, I want you to go over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. All right, now, Romans chapter 3 and uh, verse 27. Romans uh, 3 verse 27. And uh, Paul writing to the believers here, he refers to two laws here, so we'll pick up in verse 27, uh, and he's talking about faith righteousness. So he says in verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? In other words, the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Uh, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So he's talking about here uh, just two laws, the law of works, 
and uh, we just can't get sidetracked on some of the things I'd like to, but the law of works and the law of faith. Now, when it comes to the law of faith, it's like, and you might like to scribble this down somewhere, uh, it's like the laws in the universe. Uh, no scientist has made the laws in the universe. All a scientist does, and this is why I can never understand uh, why a scientist uh, can be an atheist and not believe in God, because how can you have laws without a lawmaker? How can you have a design without a designer? How can you have a watch without a watchmaker? How can you have creation without a creator? So what the scientists do, they have discovered the laws of the universe, how to get to the moon, how to put uh, Sputniks in space and orbit the earth and so forth. All they have done is discover the laws, but they have not uh, made them. Is that right? So they've discovered the laws, and they know that the laws of the universe are infallible. So if the laws of the universe are infallible, there must be an infallible lawmaker. All right, now I said all that to say this, that there is within the Bible the law of faith. Now, we don't make up the law of faith, but we have to discover it. So as I spent hours and hours trying to sort this out and all the, the uh, heartaches that I had with these children who died in my arms and believing God would raise them from the dead and cancer and everything like that, and putting people out, you know, and trying to imitate Jesus on these things. Anything Jesus can do, we can do it. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to discover what is the law of faith and how does the law work? So when the scientists do this, they discover certain laws of aerodynamics and whatever and how they work so they never violate the law because they know that law is infallible. It cannot uh, go wrong. In fact, it's like the law of gravity. What goes up uh, comes down. Nobody's ever broken the law of gravity. That's broken them. <laughs> and you can climb up the top of a 32-story building and, and jump off it saying, I'm not under law, I'm under grace, you'll be under disgrace by the time you hit rock bottom. <laughs> right? See, so the law of gravity, is never, uh, they never break it. It breaks them. So what we've got to do is, number one, discover the law of faith. How many can say amen on that point? So is there a biblical law of faith that God wants us to discover? All right? Number two, Scripture that uh, most of us know here. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So we discover the law, we cooperate with the law. Right? Romans chapter 10 and uh, verse 17. And so we're told here, uh, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, just a couple of thoughts here. In uh, most Bibles, the word comes... Uh, it's been supplied by the translators in italics. And I'd like to put another word there, which is still biblical true, biblically true. So then faith is created. Faith comes. Faith is created by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, as I said, I haven't got time to uh, milk this too much. But in this case, uh, we have two major words in the New Testament for the word of God. We have the Greek word logos, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So Logos referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then uh, also Logos referring to the written Word. But this word here is the word Rima, or Rhema, as it's very variously pronounced. So it doesn't say faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Logos of God, because we get the Word preached at us every Sunday morning, every Saturday night, every Sunday night, whatever. Uh, if, you know, if faith was going to do it, and preaching the Word, we ever had enough preaching to take us to heaven and back. So there's something, something there that we've got to pick up. So faith is created by hearing, and in this case, it's hearing by the, uh, the rima, 
the quickened word. Let, let me just say this quickly because all these things I can, you can go off on. Uh, logos is used, first of all, of the Lord Jesus Christ as the word personified, the living word. So the Logos, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, referring to the living Word. Jesus is the living Bible, not, not the living Bible, paraphrase, the living Bible. He was a walking Bible. He was the Word made flesh. And then Logos, number two, is used of the written Word. So the Bible is the Logos, the Word of God. But then the Rima is used of the quickened Word. So what we always asking, God, we pray that this written Word will become a quickened word. How many, uh, how, many, how many hear what I'm saying here? So otherwise we can hear the Logos and it never becomes a Rima. It's never ever really quickened to us. So what we're praying, that the Logos will become a Rima. And the Rima will never contradict the Logos. Logos will never contradict the Rima. And so when we have a Logos church and a Rima church and the Logos fights the Rima, or Rima fights the Logos, so why don't you guys get together and bang your heads together and get... Some unity out of this. So faith comes by hearing, or is created by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. All right, now, on my note here, it cannot be overemphasized that the one and only sure foundation for faith, biblical faith, I'm talking about, is a word from God. Let me say that again. It cannot be overemphasized that the one and only foundation for faith, biblical faith I'm talking about, is a word from God. So faith comes by hearing, or faith is created by hearing, and hearing by a rima from God. God must speak first. God must take the initiative. That's what I'm saying. Can we say amen on that point? All right, now let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And this is the great, uh, great faith chapter. And uh, in that period of time that I went through a number of years ago, I, to tell you the very honest truth, I've been very honest with you, if I heard faith, you know, I said, faith, 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 if I hear any more preaching on faith, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'm going to throw the Bible at that somebody anyway, because uh, I got so frustrated. Now, as you go through this great faith chapter, what we've got, the faith chapter, what is the key to Hebrews 11? Now, if you haven't done it, and I haven't done it yet, I've, I've been going to, but, uh, or have I? Yes, I have. I would recommend that all of you put at the top of Hebrews chapter 11 the key verse. Now, when you go through this, we say, okay, by faith, Abel. But where do you get the faith from? By faith, Enoch. Where do you get the faith from? He's translated, he should not see death. By faith, Noah. Where did Noah get the faith from? By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. And as you go through that whole faith chapter... Here's so much preaching. Oh, just believe, only believe, turn your faithless, fake it till you make it, claim it, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it. What the mind can conceive, the hand can achieve. <laughs> I've heard all those cliches. But you know what the key to this chapter is? Write it on, I've got it on mine. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. By faith, by faith, by faith, but where do they get the faith from? Where did Abel get the faith from? A word, in, in this case I believe, he got it from his mum and dad. When mum and dad, Adam and Eve, sinned, bombed out there, then they told Cain and Abel, preach the gospel to the kids and say, this is why when we got kicked out of the garden and God killed an innocent animal, clothed us in the coats of skin. Where did Noah get the faith from? Where did Enoch get the faith from? Every one of them, when I did my exposition on Hebrews, I went back to every case, and in every case, they received a word from God. 
Now, Enoch just didn't believe, oh, only believe, only believe. If you believe hard enough, you can conquer death. There's no death. Go to the Christian science, which is neither Christian nor scientific, and there's no such thing as death. It's all in your head. Okay, he didn't do that. God gave him a word. Where did Abraham? Oh, Abraham, if you only believe, only believe. You can have a baby. You can have twins, a boy and a girl. Sarah, only believe. Turn your faith loose. No, they got a word. And there's not one case in this faith chapter where they didn't get a word from God. That's why I don't feel I can overemphasize that the only sure foundation for biblical faith is a word from God. Now, that word can come in a hundred ways. It may come in a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. It may come from the Bible. It may come by the Holy Spirit. It can come in a thousand one ways because God's not limited. But there's got to be a word. How many would say amen to that point? So the faith chapter, and I put up the top, the key verse, key to this whole thing is faith is created by hearing and hearing by a word. And if you go through all those guys that are mentioned there, not one of them didn't have a word. They all received a word from God. All right, now number four, let's go to this one here. And uh, I can't give you the total fill-ins, but uh, having done every reference to faith in the whole Bible, this is what I come up with. Turn over again to uh, the great uh, epistle of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Everybody doing okay? Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Just a little expression there, Romans uh, chapter 1 and verse 17. Paul uh, is talking about the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein, that's in the gospel, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Let's all say that together. Faith to faith. Now, just as the scripture talks about going from glory to glory and grace to grace and victory to victory, so we have faith to faith. So in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Okay, so live by faith. Justification by faith, the just live by faith. It's a life of faith, so faith to faith. All right, now for you fill in here, and I won't take time to write on the board because I write in tongues and some of you can't read it, and I have to interpret. I found with all the references in the total Bible, and especially the New Testament, that they fall into five groupings, five categories. So let me explain it reasonably and brief to you. All right, first of all, we have what we refer to as saving faith. So you fill in on your first uh, uh, line there, you, uh, you know, we've got faith to faith and under that, immediately under that, saving faith. And Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by grace through faith and that, not of ourselves, neither the faith nor the grace, save by, by, by grace through faith. So saving faith. In Luke chapter 7, verse 50, Jesus said, go in faith, your faith has saved you. So saving faith. And uh, yeah, okay, in your next uh, blank there, just put faith in God and underline the word in. I said, you know, I'd like to spend the whole hour on this part alone, but faith in God. So when we come, when we come to, to God through Christ, how many know that you have saving faith? We are saved by grace through faith. Everybody says amen on that. I think I've used the illustration before about the man who was drowning, and uh, as he's drowning, he suddenly starts splashing the water and says, help me, save me, save me, save me. So the lifesaver goes out to save him and he's struggling away there. So what does the lifesaver do? Good illustration. He gives him a KO. He knocks him out. 
and drags him into the shore. And so the people said, oh, you were cruel on that man. Why did you knock him out? He's saying, save me, save me, save me. I can't swim, save me. He said, look, as long as he was trying to save himself, I couldn't save him. That is such a good lesson. We cannot save ourselves. So as long as we struggle to save ourselves, Jesus gives us a knockout, <laughs> a KO. And you know, it's just the right spot to do it. So we're saved by grace. So how many tonight, you should all be able to say amen on this, we all have saving faith. Is anybody here not saved? <laughs> okay. We all have saving faith. Now that's really important to keep in mind. And this is faith in God. Now, under the, uh, down the next block there, so your big block there, faith in God. The next one is under that, saving faith is passive faith. It's passive faith. Why do I mean by passive faith? You say, oh, faith is active, we've got to do something. No, we don't. This is passive faith. We can't save ourselves. Just follow down that first column. So saving faith, Ephesians 2, 5, 8, Luke 7, 50, then faith in God, not faith in ourselves. This type of faith is passive faith. All right, your bottom block there is passive faith is trusting the word. Now, this will all come together in a moment, hopefully. Trusting the word. Where we don't trust ourselves, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. We're trusting Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, save me. So it's trusting the word. How many can say amen on that? So all of us tonight, you should have saving faith. I've got saving faith. Amen. Can you say amen on that? Is this making sense to everybody? All right, let's go to block number two. And in the next block, we have the fruit of faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So, fruit of the Spirit. So, goodness, long-suffering, faith, faithfulness, same truth. And Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith Noah, he was saved. See, so... Uh, it's the fruit of faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. All right, go down now. Skip the big block there, uh, only because of our time here. Uh, it, let's see if I can do that. Yeah, you could put it in there. This fruit of faith is a character quality of the saved. It's a character quality. It has to be built in us. We receive saving faith. We're going from faith to faith. So we have saving faith and then faith. How many believe that you have grown in faith since you come to Christ? I mean, all of us should be able to say, I mean, my faith has grown from when I was first saved. My faith has just been growing. It's still growing. I haven't got perfect faith, but it's growing. All right, now this type of faith, your next block there is active faith. And all, the, all these, what I'm saying here, are all found in Hebrews chapter 11 to tell the truth. Active faith. So uh, when God came to Noah and said, I'm going to rain, I want you to build a boat. Oh, I believe you, Lord, I believe. You're going to send the rain, you build the boat. <laughs> he demonstrated his faith by building the ark. God told him to build the ark, mind you. He didn't just think, oh, I'm going to make up something, I'm going to do something, I'm going to only believe. No, God said, you build the ark, these are the measurements. So that was active faith. See, active faith. Now, active faith, your next block is obeying the word. Now, saving faith is passive faith, trusting the word. Fruit of faith is active faith, obeying the word. And you'll go that through the book of, uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 11. So, obeying the word. God tells you to do, do something, obedience to the word. All right, now, we're coming to a very important one. The next one here is the gift of faith. 
Okay, so the gift of faith. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, quoting it, it says, to one, the gifts of the Spirit. Now he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. To one is given by the Spirit, word of wisdom. To another by the same Spirit, a word of knowledge. To another by the same Spirit, uh, working of miracles, uh, prophecy, speaking in tongues, gift of tongues, that is their interpretation. So he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And to one is given by the Spirit, uh, a faith. And he's referring to the gift of faith. Now, in the next block, so you've got that gift of faith. In the central block there, in that column there, this is the faith of God. Am I going too fast? I've got to do it to a little bit. You have to think fast, okay? The first saving faith is faith in God, but the gift of faith is the faith of God. It's a difference. And when Jesus said, have faith in God. He's talking about this. Have the faith of God. If you have the faith of God, you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed. Or the fig tree, be rooted up, cast into the ocean. That's the faith of God. What's the difference? Your next block there is, this is spoken faith. Spoken faith. And every case, if we had time to develop this properly, as you can see, you'll find they spoke the word. Elijah said, there'll be no rain according to my word. Hey, who do you think you are, Elijah? And when, when, when Moses said uh, to the children of Israel, cross the Red Sea, God said to Moses, hold your rod out of the, over the sea and speak to the Red Sea. They spoke the word. It was a spoken word, but it originated with God. It originated with God. When we get to the issue of faith and presumption, you'll see how significant this is. So spoken word, and this is speaking the word. So your next fill-in related to that is speaking the word. So the next block, so it's spoken faith. There'll be no rain according to my word. Or the, the Jordan, just dip your feet in. But they always received a word from God. Joshua spoke to the son and he spoke to the Lord. So we need to check that out. There was a spoken, spoken faith, speaking the word. All right, next one we'll just touch on briefly. In the next one, column number four now, we have teaching faith. Teaching faith. And I'm only quoting the scriptures because I do hope that you'll meditate on these things and read the scriptures when we don't have time. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 we're told, and a great company of the priests became obedient to the faith. What do we mean by the faith? Does Waverley have a statement of faith? Yes, we do. Statement of faith. Paul says in the last days, uh, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, uh, many will depart from the faith. And Jude, he says, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So when we're talking about the faith, we're talking about teaching faith. And your next column there, or your, 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 bottom, uh, your two bottom ones, I have to skip there. This is doctrinal faith. So I'm, I'm doing that tonight. This is doctrinal faith. What, what is the biblical teaching about faith? What is biblical faith? So that's what I'm doing, teaching faith tonight. And then in your bottom column there, column there this is teaching the Word. So this is teaching the Word. So trusting the Word, obeying the Word, speaking the Word, if there's a gift there, teaching the Word. Everybody with me? Teaching the word. All right, column number five now is perfect faith. Perfect faith. 
perfect faith. And there's only one person in the whole of human history had perfect faith. And who was it? Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha and the Omega. It's all in him. He's the only one had perfect faith. There is not one ounce of unbelief in him because he's the source of faith. Everybody say amen on that. So why don't you put in, uh, in that central block there. So perfect faith. Abraham's faith was perfected when he offered up Isaac. Jesus said, if you have this type of faith, the faith of God, we having the same uh, spirit of faith. All right, so in that block there, the, the larger block, you can put Jesus, who had perfect faith, because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the faith of God personified in human form. All right, under that, the next block, just put the spirit of faith. And Paul says, we having the same spirit of faith, we speak, we speak the word, but spirit of faith. And then in your final block there, number five, five, five on your five, fifth one, it's the word made flesh. So the spirit of faith, the word made flesh. So when the word was made flesh, just perfect faith. All right, now let's see what you've got if you fill in here. Okay, so number one, up the top. Saving faith, everybody say amen. Fruit of faith. Gift of faith, uh, te uh, teaching faith, perfect faith. How many see what Paul's saying? That we are to go from faith to faith. So we've got to move from saving faith to fruit of faith. And if God gives us by the Spirit, gift of faith. Okay, teaching faith. Ultimately, God wants perfect faith when there's not an ounce of unbelief left in us. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. How many could say amen to that? All right, now down the bottom a little bit. Saving faith is passive faith. Fruit of faith is active faith. Uh, gift of faith is spoken faith. And uh, a teaching faith is doctrinal faith. And perfect faith is the spirit of faith. Let me ask you sort of a trick question there, but put your hands up. Let me catch you, please. Give me a sense of fulfillment. How many believe that Jesus had all the gifts of the spirit? Hands up. How many don't believe Jesus had all the gifts of the spirit? Hands up. How many are not going to let me catch you? Hands up. How many ever got a lying spirit? Hands up. Okay, no, Jesus didn't have the gifts of the Spirit. He had the fullness of the Spirit. And see, when the gifts of the Spirit are listed, it goes this way. To, to, by the Spirit, to everyone is given a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a prophecy, a faith, or tongues, an interpretation. It's all in the fragment, number nine. But Jesus, it says, when the Spirit came on him, he received the Spirit without measure, and he had the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of. Have we see the difference? Because he received the spirit without measure, fullness, because of who he was. We receive it in fragment, okay? It just saves people from getting on, on a little ego trip. Not here, of course. How many of you know we get enough humble pie around here to eat? All right, now let's go to... Uh, all right, so I'll finish that. So the Word made flesh. Teaching the Word, the Word made flesh. Now, number five, very, very important here. Discerning and distinguishing between faith and presumption. Now, these are some of the tough things I had to learn, but boy, it helped me. So, discerning and distinguishing between faith and presumption. Uh, turn over to Psalm 19. I think we've got time to squeeze one, one scripture in there. 
Uh, yes, you've got, I've put two examples, but for those of you real keen to develop this, get your concords and go through the word presumption in contrast to faith. And I'm going to give you Connor's definition of faith in a moment. Psalm uh, and, and uh, presumption. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. All right, in Psalm 19, I'm going to read it from uh, older authorized here. But, but, uh, but David, it's a psalm of David. He uses a, a several different words here. And so in verse, um, verse 10, we'll pick up. Uh, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweet also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Okay, I'm reading from old authorized. The word error. Number, number two, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Okay, secret faults. Okay, what are my errors? What are my secret faults? Number three, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Wow, what's that mean? Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent. Number four, from the great transgression. Wow, that's a whole study in itself. Errors, secret faults, presumptuous sins, and the great transgression. All right, let me look at that. Now, I've gone through on this and in the scripture I've given you how the children of Israel came to the edge of the promised land and uh, they searched the land for 40 days, come back, gave a bad report, 10 of the spies, and, and two of the spies only gave a good report, and then uh, they had a night to sleep on it. And they woke up in the morning, they came to me and said, oh, we will go into the land, we've, had, we've, we've slept on it overnight, we realize, yeah, we're sorry about it. No, he said, don't go up. But we're told that they presumed to go up. But the ark of God remained in the camp. And Moses said, don't go up, the Lord's not with you. But they presumed, they missed their day, just by one day. And they stepped from faith, unbelief, into presumption. All right? And then you've got other scriptures there about the man who acts presumptuously in my mind, in, in, uh, in my name, and so forth. Now, some of the things I did over the years, sorry to say this, saints, I'm confessing my sin, was the sin of presumption. I presumed to do some things. All right, now listen. The definition of the word presumption is to take for granted, uh, this is a dictionary, to take for granted, impose on another, or another's word of grace and kindness. To take for granted, impose on another's uh, on another or another's word of grace or kindness. How many know that a lot of Australians, let alone anyone else, are guilty of presumption? They presume on the love of God. Oh, God's too kind to send anybody to hell. We believe in heaven that God's too kind. That is presumption. That is presuming upon the love of God. Like we said, to take for granted. Oh, God will never send anybody to hell. He's too kind for that. He, he loves us all. So to take for granted, impose on another or another's word of, of grace and kindness. The Hebrew means to swell, to be lifted up, to be insolent. And the Greek, it means to be daring or, 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 or audacious, presumptuous. Now, let me say this statement. I'll, I'll give you time to take the gist of it down and then I'll illustrate and go back to our beginning here. This is Connor's definition of presumption, and uh, once you hear the, illust uh, the, the illustration of it, it should uh, you know, click. This is Connor's definition of presumption. 
Presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. Presumption looks like faith, it acts like faith, but it is the imitation of the faith of others without a word from God. So particularly the first part I'd like you, and then let me illustrate with what I've been saying. So presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. Presumption looks like faith, it acts like faith, but it's the imitation of faith of the faith of others without a word from God. So one more time here. So presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. Presumption looks like faith, it acts like faith, but is the imitation of the faith of others without a word from God. All right, now let's uh, look at some of what we've looked at. Now, take the case of Peter walking on the water. Jesus has come walking on the water. All the disciples scared to death. They think it's a spirit walking on the water. And Jesus said, fear not, be not afraid, it is I. So dear old Peter <laughs> says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. Now what did Jesus say? Come. Now did Peter step out in faith? Did he step out in faith? Or did he step out in faith on a word? So this expression, oh, let's just all, now just step out in faith, just step out in faith. Peter stepped out in faith. Hey, now say for all the other disciples in the boat said, oh, Peter's walking in water. If he can do it, so can I. How many know they would have joined the Baptist church? <laughs> and had another baptismal church? Because you see, listen to what I said. Presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. So if Jesus had said, all of you come, then they wouldn't have just, because you see, it wasn't the water that upheld Peter. It was the word. Because as soon as he looked at the water, he got baptized all over again, began to sink and said, Lord, save me. How, how many hear what I'm saying here? You see now, if Jesus had said, Peter, come, all of you come, then they all could have stepped out because they would have got a word. But if they, ha if they, if they just said, oh, Peter's walking in the water, so can we, that's presumption imitating the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. Let me hear what I'm saying here. Okay? Think of some of the cases. Think of the case in New Zealand where this lady stepped out in the bathtub. Now, if the Lord had have told her to fill the bathtub and gave her a word, the bathtub would have held her up. I mean, the water would have. The word would have. Right? I remember Yonggi Cho. I ministered with Yonggi Cho uh, in um, Japan a couple of years running on the all uh, Japan Pentecostal Conference, and he tells us of three, uh, three uh, uh, young ladies in his church, a number of the girls had been to a, um, a conference, and uh, when they came back from the conference, uh, the waters had risen uh, where they had to cross, and just was flooding there, and so three of the girls, they said, look, Peter walked on the water, and, uh, and the Red Sea opened, and we're just going to step out in faith, we're going to believe God. The river, the river Jordan opened up, and uh, Yonggi Cho, he's the master for telling this, uh, that they all stepped out in faith and every one of them was swept away and drowned. Why? Because they were imitating the faith act of others without personally receiving a word. Now, if the Lord had said to them, walk on the water, speak the word. See, that, you see, many times preachers, sorry to say, try to get people to move into the gift of faith without God having given that word. 
and see saving faith through to faith, teaching faith, will not do what the gift of faith should do. So we desperately need more of the gift of faith. Henry would say amen to that. We do. We, we, we do that. Okay? Uh, Charles Price, if ever you can get hold of his book, I don't know if they've reprinted it again, entitled The Real Faith, he tells uh, of this case how he was going to a healing meeting there one time and a lady was being lifted off a truck on a wheelchair and uh, so the truck driver said, you want me to pick up after the service, ma'am? She said, oh, no, I'll be pushing this wheel, wheelchair home. And he just thought, oh, she's a bit a screw loose, one, uh, one sandwich short of a picnic, <laughs> one brick short of a load, whatever, space cadet. And uh, anyway, so, uh, <laughs> you know, all those things. <laughs> I don't have to translate. And as she's going in the meeting, Charles Price said, how are you today, sister? Oh, I'm just great. I believe God's going to touch me today. He said, praise God. So when the meeting was over and Charles Price, great ministry there of healing, uh, prayed for her, she was instantly healed and leapt out that wheelchair and was taken, uh, she pushed the wheelchair home. Now he was telling this in another city, in another healing campaign that he had, and uh, there was an identical situation there and that lady thought, oh boy, if she can do it, so can I. So she comes along in the wheelchair, says the same thing to another truck driver, I'll be wheeling this chair home. And at the end of the meeting, brought her out the front, everybody was struggling, come on, only believe, step out in faith. Pulling her up, she claps and everything like that. Now, Charles Price is the classic on this. He says, what was happened? Because one received faith, a gift of faith, the other presumed. Listen to my definition again. Presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving word. So if we could just speak to the sun and the moon and the rain and mountains and fig trees flying, everything would be chaos. But if the Lord gives the word a gift of faith, it works. How many hear what I'm saying? So I, that was one of the biggest lessons I learned. Okay, let me give you one biblical example. You say, well, they're all living examples. Got anything in the Bible, Kevin? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Turn over to Hebrews Chapter 11, clock stands still in the name of Jesus <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Okay. Now, I didn't get a word from God, so okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, this is a real classic, uh, the difference between faith and presumption. How many feel this is helping you? Now, it, it might sound as if it's destroying. No, uh, we're talking about biblical faith and presumption. And because of some of the things I went through, it's made me very slow, man. Now, okay, where am I on this? Okay, quickly. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 and uh, 29, 30. Yes. Uh, verse 28, pick it up. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Okay, now where did Moses get the faith from to pass through the Red Sea? God gave him the word, said, Moses, lift up your rod and wave it over the Red Sea and tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, Moses could have just presumed, said, well, I'm going to wave my little stick. He, stood, have been, he could have been turned into a pill of salt, still waving his little stick. And the Red Sea would never open. But he got a word, and it was a gift of faith. That's it. Anybody else try to imitate? Now, let's finish it. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians presuming, a saying, attempting, presuming, all same word, which the Egyptians presuming to do were drowned. 
So they saw them pass through the Red Sea. Well, if they can pass through the Red Sea, let's go after them. And God just washed them out. It was a washout, drowned them all. Because a presumption is to imitate the faith act of others without personally receiving a word from God. Now, I've seen it over my, over my years. One, one dear brother in New Zealand, he said, well, in America they have hospitals and they have Bible colleges and Christian schools and retirement villages and I'm going to do all that. And I said, well, how many people you got in the church? Oh, a hundred. Well, I said, are you sure you got a word from God? Well, you're just, a, you're just an armchair general. You've got no faith. And the sad part is, I said, well, what if it doesn't happen in your church? Well, I'll just walk out and leave the people. And you did. And became a very bitter and sour man and took it out on the people because they didn't have faith for his vision. Hey, so that's presumption. It's just a sad, sad situation. Well, if they can do it in America, so can I. Well, they've got a few more million people there. All right, let's go quickly. I have to move on on this. Okay, number, number six. So distinguishing and uh, discerning and distinguishing between faith and presumption. Number six, our faith is going to be tried. <laughs> yeah, so you can read the scriptures. The trial of your faith, once you get a word from God, it's going to be tested. So cheer up. All right, number seven. Number seven, I have to move quickly. I want you to get your last fill-ins here. Number seven, we have to make allowances for the sovereignty of God. If you've got Hebrews chapter 11 open, as I've gone through this chapter, you know, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, no, by faith, by faith, by faith. And then when I get to the last few verses there, verse 35, it's on your notes. Uh, women received their dead raised to life again. Hallelujah. Why didn't he stop there? He messed the chapter up with these last few verses and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others, these miserable others, they had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned and not on LSD. Okay, they were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Now, why did these others just mess up that beautiful faith chapter? Because you have to, as I've got on your notes there, you have to make allowances for the sovereignty of God. How many can say amen? I mean, what do you do with this? Stephen, a deacon, praise God for the deacons, he got stoned to death. Paul gets stoned, and he's raised from the dead. So do you think Paul and Stephen up in heaven taught and said, well, Stephen, you got stoned to death. Why didn't you believe? <laughs> I got stoned and I was raised from the dead and shook off the dust, went into the next city. And do you think Peter and Paul are up in heaven say, Paul, what's wrong with you? I mean, in your, one of your letters to the churches there, you said you were shipwrecked three times. Hey, man, I walked on the water. You had no faith. You weren't believing God. And do you think Daniel's up there with all the early church martyrs say, Hey, when I was in the lion's den, I just zipped up their mouth, went to sleep on one of their woolly manes there, and you guys got martyred with the lions. They used you for, what's, you weren't believing God. Hey, we've got to allow for the sovereignty of God. And that's not fatalism, it's trusting God. How many can say amen on that? I remember a woman came to me in uh, Arkansas, I was over there with one of the faith preachers, and uh, she came to me, her husband had just died that week of cancer. And she went to this brother. said, well, you, it's your fault. You didn't believe God. Unbelief. 
And I mean, she's devastated. She came to me and said, Brother Connor, what about? I said, well, I didn't want to reflect on the other brother who was in the faith movement, as we say. I said, well, he was doing on that aspect of faith. Have you ever read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11? Others, 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 others. And I said, in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, they died in unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 11, they died in faith. Was your husband a believer? Yes, he died in faith, not having received the promise. See, we say it, and this is our stand. God is able to heal, and God will heal, but if not, we have to allow for the but if not. We trust him. Live or die. Sudden death is sudden glory. Is it, is it true? I mean, if heaven is such a wonderful place, why are Christians keeping away from it as long as they can? Uh, please, Father, now, okay. <laughs> All right, I've got to finish, I've got to finish. Let's go to the lessons I've learnt, okay? You'll have to write both hands, I've got to wrap it up. Lessons I've learnt. Okay, number one, discover, it's just following your notes here. Number one, discover the law of faith, how it works. So I have very strong convictions, and once I saw this a number of years ago, I've been slow, but I've followed this law of faith that's worked in my life. So number one, discover the law of faith, how it works. Number two, Know that faith's only foundation is a word from God. You've got that, number two. Faith's only foundation, check the word. Is it a prophecy? Is it a wish? Is it a word from God? Check it out. So know faith, faith's only foundation. Uh, number three, following an outline there, make sure the original word is right. See, I've had to check the original word. Did I really hear from God? Was it a wish? Did I eat pizza too late at night or what? Make sure the original word is right. Number four, you need to understand the distinctions of faith, which I've given you there. Okay, is this a gift of faith God has given me? Now, on odd occasions, God has given me a gift of faith for a particular situation. Remember in Bendigo, where we had one of the sisters there, and uh, she, was, she had very serious angina, was getting, uh, living on eight tablets a day to keep her alive. She came to the meeting, and God just gave me a word. It was just one of those things, you know, not, not my, my giving. God just gave me a word, and I went over to her and began to pray for her. And as I began to pray, I actually began to prophesy, and I prophesied a scripture, which you wouldn't use in the natural, and that the Lord said to her, you know, let not your heart be troubled. Now, you'd never think of that applying it physically. But through the prophecy, that was the word, let not your heart be troubled. She was instantly healed and never took another tablet till the, till the day the Lord took her home. But it was just a gift. Eh? God just gave a word. That's it. Okay. All right, so understand the distinctions of faith. Number five, discern between faith and presumption. I hope you've really been helped on that one tonight. It saved me from a lot. Saved me from a lot. I, I made my boo-boos. <laughs> And then number six, it's pretty well following the outline. Make room for the sovereignty of God. Allow for the but if not. You know, some of the situations we've had lately here, we just trust God. See, we preach, we preach the gospel of salvation whether people get saved or not. Right? We still preach the word. We still believe in divine healing. Trust God whether people are taken home to glory or healed. Hey, God's God or not. And then uh, number seven, faith will be tried before fulfillment. Faith will be tried before fulfillment. But it's really important, and that's all I can say tonight, is make sure that the original word is right. 
Right, how many feel that this has really helped you tonight? Phew, that helped me. Let's all stand. Thank you for being such a great bunch. So let's uh, just close in the word of prayer. Father, we just thank you once again for your uh, inexhaustible word, Father. I just pray that as you helped me over the years and saved me after some of my presumptuous uh, things, Lord, uh, that you taught me this. I pray it will be a help to all of us. And Lord, that it, uh, the word we've shared tonight will actually create more faith in our heart, the biblical type of faith. Save us from uh, presumptuous sins, Lord, sins of ignorance. Help us, Father, and help us, Lord, to go from faith to faith. Bless us as we go out into the world this week. Help us to be salt and light in our community and in the places we are. Give you all the praise and glory in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I've got to go home and eat my lamingtons. <coughs> Thank you. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.